0: Welcome to another episode of the Storycatchers Podcast. I'm your host and Storycatchers founder, Tara Polcatti. Everyone longs to go home for the holidays, to warm ourselves by the comfort of familiar surroundings and soak in our family's love and sometimes brutal honesty. This story was recorded live at our event, Awkward Family Gatherings, the holiday edition, is from Christine Broderson, telling her hilarious and harrowing tale, of making it home for the holidays I have been married for nineteen years don 't clap because you haven 't heard the story yet and when you first get married it's holiday traditions get a little sticky because you have to combine two families traditions, and typically there 's only one day and it gets really crazy. And you come to a point where you have to make your own holiday tradition. Now, when I got married, I moved to Wisconsin from Connecticut with my husband. And we used to go home for Christmas. Every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, we didn't drive, we flew. Then I had a baby, and that changes everything so I had a baby in January and our first Christmas going home we skipped Thanksgiving our first Christmas going home my son was he was what 11 months old okay so we headed out at 6 a.m. out of Appleton to Detroit to fly into Hartford and thinking Christmas is going to be great and our first Christmas with our son and this is going to be lovely started to snow in Detroit and we landed on time, but we couldn't get a gate because they don't like to give gates to little puddle jumpers. They like to give gates to the bigger planes. The stewardess handed out free alcohol and that should have been my first clue that things were not going well. I looked outside at the snowflakes falling gently on this glistening carpet of white on the tarmac. Those snowflakes looked nothing like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They looked nothing like the sign that civilization, as you knew it, was over inside the terminal. Four hours later, we got to a gate, and got into the terminal, where pandemonium was ensuing. There were lines snaking around garbage cans and through gates. You had no idea where the line was going, but there were lines of angry people. At one point on our way, trying to get to the other terminal so we can get to our gate in Hartford, because my husband is just optimist. I am a pessimist. So I said, there's a flight to Green Bay. Maybe we should take it. But no, he's very optimistic. So he's like, no, we're going to go to Hartford. We're going to go to gate B. We're going to get, you know, in terminal B the gate whatever, 32 to Hartford. On our way, I heard from the ladies room retching and I thought, well, it it could be worse. Not much worse, but it could, could be worse. There was a little bulldog that someone had, and you know if you have a dog, they try so hard to be good. This little dog was stuck in the airport for so long that he pooped in front of the escalator. And the lady tried to tell the gate attendant, oh no, my dog, but by this time, the gate attendants, they they were done with you and they just didn't care. So he was like, lady, that's not my problem. And she saw me and my son and my diaper bag. And I was like, I think we're going to be here till Groundhog's Day. So I'm just going to walk quick and not give you a wipe. So we waited in line for about an hour and 15 minutes with a toddler who had napped for four hours on the tarmac. And We finally got a flight to JFK, which, if you don't know, is in New York City, at 8 o'clock at night, and it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so we had a lot of time to kill before our flight to JFK, and we walked back and forth in Detroit, so much so that we both had blisters, and my husband runs marathons. We took turns holding the car seat. You know, and as you walk, it kind of bumps up against you. We both looked like we had been flogged by the time we got to Connecticut. My brother-in-law, who lives in New Jersey, was kind enough to pick us up at JFK. And we went to New Jersey, spent the night there. Now, in the terminal, while people were angry and every board said canceled, 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 The propriety of drinking in the bars kind of vanished, and people were just drinking everywhere. So there were cups of beer, dog poo that now had been smeared from the escalator to Panda Express. And at one point, I sat in something. I don't know what it was. I'm hoping it was beer. It was yellow. I I don't know. My son, of course, being 11 months old, had spit up on me. And when we arrived at JFK, our luggage was not there. Of course it wasn't there. It was probably in Hartford. So I went to my sister-in-law's house in New Jersey. And the next day, because we left on the 23rd, was the 24th. And we were going to go to my other sister-in-law's in New Haven, Connecticut. So we drove from New Jersey to Connecticut, still in my gross clothes that had some sort of mystery stain and I had vomit on me and there was no sign of our luggage anywhere or our presents, which is a lot of fun when you get presents, you know, presents to give. And I walked into my sister-in-law's house where my mother-in-law was and I don't think I had my back foot in the door yet. I was kind of like this. And she said, you look a lot chubbier than usual. Your belly is really sticking out. And I was like, don't say it. It's like Voldemort. You can't speak its name. Mortified, I stared at my husband, who skittered away like a cockroach when you turn on a light. And I went into my bathroom. Now, my sister-in-laws are those kind of women... They eat, they have babies, and they stay thin. It is fucking maddening, okay? (laughs) So now I'm in my sister-in-law's bathroom, and I'm looking for my dignity. I can't find it, but I'm looking for it. And my sister-in-law, who is very kind but thin, but she's still kind, She says, well, let's get her some clothes, okay? And it's like next Christmas, I'm going to send you a field guide for fat chicks because you cannot give me your clothes. And you trying to give me your clothes is only going to make me feel worse. So my mother-in-law, and I like to say she's always on fat watch, she is the David Hasselhoff of weight gain, decides that her 70-year-old outfit is better for me. And she handed over one of those green velour jumpsuits that I am pretty certain comes in the mail when a woman gets something from AARP. It has, you know, holly-like on it, And she hands it to me, and she says, it'll fit because it's stretchy. And I went, I think I might kill all of you. Then Christmas Day. So you would think that my husband's family is a little crazy, but no, they actually, no, not compared to mine. So Christmas Day, we were going to spend with my family, because my husband and I grew up in the same town. And my mother can never be wrong, ever, okay? And she had this idea that when I got married, she bought a high chair for all the times that I would come back with my children. Only, I didn't have children on her timetable. Um, (laughs) She would call me incessantly about this high chair and ask me if I was pregnant yet. And I was like, no, um, no. And finally, about three years into our marriage, she goes, well, that is just it. I am having a garage sale and I am selling that high chair because you are either never going to have children or you're barren. And I'm like, you know what? Sell the high chair, mom. Sell it. Because I can't plan my family based on a high chair in another time zone. So sell it. Now I'm coming back with my child, and my mother has sold the high chair. So she decides, and I swear I'm not making this up, that she's going to make a high chair. So she pulls a chair from the dining room, you know, the kind that's kind of cushy and it has the armrests, and she fills it with afghans, okay? And then she says, you could put him on there and then we'll secure him. We'll tie him with Christmas ribbon. (laughs) And I was like, we are not tying up my child. And she kept insisting that because it was Christmas ribbon, it was not really tying him, and there was nothing wrong with it. Three excruciating days later, we were headed back to Bradley Airport in Hartford to try to fly back to Detroit, to try to come back to Appleton. And, of course, Detroit was still snarled and it was not undone, and so we had to take a flight to Chicago, which is fine. Um, although, if you if you ever have to travel through Chicago, you know, start being scared. Start being scared because that is like the Bermuda Triangle of the Midwest. We arrived in Chicago. Now, my son, after spending. 16 hours in Detroit airport with beer cups and angry people and all sorts of business was really sick. So he was like a snot volcano and he was cranky and we had 12 hours. Now I know you might say, well, you should have rented a car. Okay. But I'm going to tell you in case you don't normally do this, they don't allow you to rent a car. If you are not going to bring it back after a certain number of cars leave the lot that aren't coming back, No more rentals. So we were stuck in Chicago for 12 hours with our sick son. And finally, the flight to Appleton read, canceled. And you know there aren't very many going to Appleton. My husband, who's normally mild-mannered and knew he was on the brink of divorce, climbed, almost climbed over the gate and said to the woman, we have to get back. They put us on a flight to Green Bay. We went, we landed in Green Bay. We had to take a taxi to Appleton Airport where our luggage was waiting, thank God. And I looked at my husband and I said, next year we're staying home and we have never gone You've been listening to Story Catchers. I'm Tara Polkani. Go to StoryCatchersCommunity.com to find out more and to consider sharing your story with us because we all have stories to tell.